Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Man, was that not good? Hey, last night, if, if you missed it, uh, the worship team was playing. Uh, I think Jason Crabb opened up for the team. It was, it was that good. Man, Sharon Methodist, and, and those that, that, if you didn't make it, uh, they were doing that. It was a fundraiser, Mr. Rick Perkins. He puts this together every year. And we don't have the final numbers, but this year, uh, over $8,000 raised for the boys and girls home. Yeah, come on. Yes, so good, so good. So we'll, they'll be doing that again in, in years to come and hear more about that as it goes. Um, so we've been in the book of Luke since Easter, and we're going to still be in there for a little bit. Uh, let me give you a, a recap of kind of where we're at. There's been the death and the resurrection, and then there's this moment in Luke chapter 24 where these two guys are walking on this road. Their souls are downcast. They're kind of gloom, and then all of a sudden Jesus comes up, and he asks them this question. What are you guys talking about? And he knows exactly what we're talking about, but he asked this question anyway. He's like, Wait, has, are you the only person in all of Jerusalem who hasn't heard what has happened? And then Jesus opens up the scripture to them. And he begins to explain everywhere in the scriptures how this had to happen. And then there's this moment where their eyes are opened, and then they see Jesus for who he is, and then he's gone. Whew. And there's this, this statement that we've been talking about for a little bit. The statement is this. Did our hearts not burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Come on. If you got around someone like that, when we get around, just did our hearts not burn within us as we, we, we talked about things, we opened up and looked at the scriptures. And it says, and right after that, they left and headed right back to Jerusalem. That's important. We'll get to it. So we're going to read this morning from the book of John. That was Luke 24. Now we're going to read from the book of John, chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Now, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind and lame or paralyzed, they laid on these porches. In some translations, it has this. They're waiting for a certain movement of the waters. For an angel of the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the waters. And the first person to step in after the water was stirred was healed of whatever disease he had. Now, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. 38 years, y'all. And when Jesus saw him, he knew that he had been sick for a long time. And he asked him this question. Now, now this, is, this is crazy. He knew that he had been sick for a long time. And the question he asked him is this. Would you like to get well? Which on the surface, this seems like almost rude. Like, do you want to get well? And listen to how the man responds. I can't. I can't, sir, the sick man said. I just thought that was interesting. The sick man. We don't know his name. Not, not Jeff, 
not Bob, not Tom down the street, no, no, the sick man. His whole identity wrapped up in this problem. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Everyone else gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, do this, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But the miracle, the miracle happened on the Sabbath. Everyone knows you don't do miracles on Sundays, on Saturdays, on the Sabbath. You don't do it. And so the Jewish leaders, they objected. What? Somebody got healed? They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. We know you haven't worked in 38 years. But you can't pick up that mat and walk. The law doesn't allow you to carry a sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me, he told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded? I don't even know. The man didn't know. For Jesus, he did what? He disappeared again. Disappeared into the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him. Man, this moment. Uh, uh, and I just love the fact that this portion of scriptures can completely wreck your theology. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but you've, you've grown up in, uh, maybe you've grown up in the church or around certain things that says, listen, if you don't have enough faith, then you can't get healed. The reason why God doesn't heal you is because you've got to have more faith. This dude didn't have any faith at all. As a matter of fact, when Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well, his response was, I can't. It's not, I've been 38 years, it's not going to happen. It's not, it's not even a possibility. So he had no faith at all. And then, then there's the, the idea that we have that we, you just, if you're just close enough to Jesus, if, if you, the reason why you're not going to get healed is this because you've got to be closer to Jesus. And when asked who healed him, the guy was like, I don't even know who the dude was. <laughs> didn't even know it was Jesus, didn't have no faith all I know is I once was this sick guy, and now I'm healed. This is all I know. And so, like, if you've grown up with that kind of thing, they're like, oh, you don't have enough faith. That's why you didn't. It ain't about you, right? It ain't about you. Jesus shows us, I know, it's all about me and what I want to do in this moment. And he could do whatever he wants. And I find it awesome. Like, we read these two scriptures, and in the first portion of Scripture of Luke, it says, after they've had this moment with Jesus, the first thing they did was return to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is this, oh, man, this, this is the place. Jerusalem is the center of everything. In Revelations 21, we actually see there's this new Jerusalem coming down. Uh, Jerusalem, this city on a hill. What's interesting is every time you kind of see Jerusalem in the scriptures, there's always this kind of phrase that goes with it, oftentimes, not always. Let us go up to Jerusalem, which is never let us go down. It's always let us go up to Jerusalem. See, we're in North Carolina. Let us go down to Florida, right? No, no, no. Let us stay right here where we're at. <laughs> but you always had to go up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was a city on a hill. And so it didn't matter if you were north or south or east or west. You were always ascending up to Jerusalem. The psalmist would say, hey, come, let us ascend the hill of the Lord. Let us go up to Jerusalem. See, this is not just a physical geographic location. Yet it is. And yet there's something saying, no, no, let us do this in the spirit too. Let's go up. Let's worship God together. Jerusalem, the city of peace. 
the city of joy, the city of God. And I think it's interesting that it's called the city of peace because this is the most fought over piece of real estate on the planet. The entire planet, all of human history, there's no place that has been fought over more than Jerusalem. And yet, it has this title, the city of peace, the city of joy, the city of God. Come, let us go up to Jerusalem. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? This picture in Revelations, heaven invading earth. And yet, it's interesting, within some of us, we have this idea that the whole goal of Christianity is just to get to heaven. And yet, all throughout the scriptures, what we see is heaven trying to invade earth. And this is a beautiful picture in John chapter 5 of the kingdom of God with Jesus right here saying, no, no, this is, this is what the kingdom is going to look like. It, it ain't about you, sick man. It ain't about your faith. It ain't all about all of this. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And the kingdom is going to come in this moment. Uh, it doesn't matter what's all around you, all of the, the, the sickness, the lame, the, the, the disease, all of that. No, no, no. The kingdom of God coming right here. 38 years waiting, and now grace shows up. And it's this beautiful picture. There's, there, there's this setup, and, and it says that they're, they're right there, and there's this sheep gate, and there's this pool, and there's five covered porches. Now, this man's been here for a long time, 38 years at least, waiting here, wanting to get healed, and he's watched he sees the sheep gate, and here's the thing about the sheep gate. He sees sheep go in, but sheep don't come out. Because this is where the sheep would go in, and uh, there would be uh, getting ready for sacrifices on the altar. And, and he'd watch year after year, ceremony after ceremony, festival after festival. Sheeps go in, but they don't come out. And I could just imagine what he was going through, kind of feeling that way. I've been here for so long, and, and it's like... I'm not dead yet, but I'm not really alive either. Has anybody had that feeling, that moment? 38 years on the same job and you've never gotten a promotion? Come on, 38 years of just feeling like, no, this is all there is. It's never going to change. 38 years, does anyone even recognize me? His entire, look, 30, 30 years, man, and I hate this job. Come on, I, I, I've been working, why, Just cause, why, because 38, we still got bills to pay. 38 years, and I'm still paying this mortgage. They told me it was gonna be 30, somehow it's 38, I don't know how. Still doing it time after time, week after week, but then we tell ourselves the story, hey, it could be worse. After all, we're in a beautiful place. There's this pool, and there's these five porches, and I could be one of those sheep. And what happens is we start to build our identity on our misery. We become known in a place. We become known as, no, this is the sick guy. He's been here for a long time. And we don't even know our name anymore. We're just identified by our misery. I had this friend in college, super, super talented. I mean, guy had skills, but his problem was it was, it was always someone else's fault why he wasn't able to advance. It was always an excuse. It was like, well, this person did this, or this happened, or this situation. And there was always a reason why. And I saw him, I saw him 20 plus years later, and it was the same thing. The same thing. And he couldn't, do you know anyone like this? Identified by their misery. And what happens is we tell ourselves the story. And what happens is 
we become the overlooked hero. I'm the overlooked hero. I've been here for so long. Yeah, but you really, you stopped trying a long time ago. I mean, I mean let, let's, let's be honest, 38 years, and it's always somebody else's fault. See, every time the waters are stirred and every time something happens, somebody always steps in front of me. It's all of their fault. It's all of this. I, I, I'm just this guy right here. And he stopped a long time ago. And to which I think that's why Jesus asked this question, would you like to get well? Because it's a very important question for him. You, you, you could just stay and you could live in this identity for so long because you've built an entire life on it. You're, you're the guy who everybody knows by this. As a matter of fact, you've become comfortable in this place. So do you want to get well? Because if you do, you mean you're going to have to go to work. Right? Ain't nobody going to bring you no food no more. Do you want to get well? And to his response is, it's impossible. I can't. See, see, nobody, see, the place that they're in, this Bethesda, it's literally translated the house of mercy. And we say, listen, like, it's impossible because everyone else kind of has mercy, but there's no mercy for me. See, I'm just here, someone else steps in front of me. I'm, I'm in this place, and there's supposed to be mercy, but there's not none. It's people cut into the line. And, and here's the thing. You don't survive 38 years without having help from somebody else. See, he'd become so disillusioned that all he said, everybody just steps in front of me, nobody, nobody cares about me, nobody's thinking about me. No, no, 38 years, somebody helped feed this brother. Somebody helped him get a bath, somebody helped him shelter, somebody, all of these things that had to happen. There was lots of hands and feet for him. But he was, he was so stuck in his excuse. You don't survive this long without help. There's, there's one thing that I think that could be worse than 30 years of this sickness, and that's this. It's called the man cold. Come on. Come on. Yes. Yes, somebody knows what I'm talking about. The man cold is probably one of the worst things in all of human history. When we get a cold, ladies, it is like death is at the doorstep. And y'all just don't understand. We understand that you give birth to babies. We understand. But that doesn't even nowhere compare to the man cold. Y'all just don't know. And, and here's the thing. Whenever I have the man cold, I am completely miserable to be around. And, and, and Devin, man, she's there and she's serving me. Would, would you, can I get you some water? Can I get you some soup? And in this thing, all I do is complain. The soup's too hot. The soup's too cold. Why did you turn the light on? Oh, stop turning the light on. Come on, y'all do that. Y'all turn the light on. Don't turn the light on. And we're just whining and we're complaining. Just leave me alone. Just come close. I don't, we don't know what we want. We're in the middle of this man cold. Could you imagine having that for 38 years? This is the thing, at my house, my wife, she gives me three days. She's like, you got three days with this man cold, and then that's it. Like, I'll give you some soup, I'll serve you, but after that, you are on your own. And I'm, I think it's a joke, she literally does this. She's like, three days, and then you, you, know, you better just be better. Jesus rose from the dead in three days. You better, you better rise from this man cold.
But sometimes we like it because now she's serving me. And all I got to do is, hey, baby, I just need some soup. I just need some of this. And, and Jesus asks us, do you want to get well? It's a very important question. Do you want your life to change? Are you willing to pay the price? Because things are going to change. It ain't going to be like it always was. Or, or, or are you going to dismiss the mercy that's in front of you right now and settle for your own self-pity? Settle for your own story? Are you going to settle for just complaining about everything in life? The music was too loud. The preaching was too long. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too broke. I'm too rich. I don't have enough time. We do this. We complain. And there's, there's, after all, it feels all right because there's five porches around us. And it's a beautiful place. And there's people that are sick just like us all around us. So what happens is this. Now we've built this story and we've built this life on misery and it's reinforced by everything that we see. So I'm okay to live like this because look, everyone else is too. There's five porches out here full of sick people just like me. And so this question that Jesus is asking, like, do you want to get well? As a matter of fact, I feel justified in my complaints. Because after all, I'm sick and I got a man cold. No, 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 no. Do you want to get well? Or have you established a lifestyle of bitterness and delusion? Have you crafted your own story where you're the wounded hero? Everyone else is the problem. Even the ones we call friends. Come on, y'all. Do you want to be made well. See, I think it's really easy because we could come to church and we can enjoy. Oh, and the, the pastor preached this morning. It was good. But did you get in the word the rest of the week? Come on. Are you letting the pastor do all the hard work? Or, or one, one about worship, man, Alan was, Alan was on point today. But if the only time you know how to worship is if Alan's leading you, you're at a deficit. And I'll make it very clear, you're not going to make it. You will not make it the long run. You've got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. You've got to learn how to get into the scriptures for yourself. You've got to learn how to worship when the music stops. You've got to learn to worship when you're laying on that mat in the hospital room. And, and nobody's ringing, and the phone ain't ringing, and you're at the worst moment of your life. And Jesus said, well, do you want to be made well? We've got to learn these things. And, and, see, and I'm not just pointing my fingers at y'all and saying it, it's your point. Like, like, we've done this in the church, too. The pastors are just as guilty because we, like, what we tell you is, like, just come to Sunday mornings. Just come, and and, and the, the waters will stir on Sunday mornings, and maybe you'll get healed. That's why you got to keep coming back. So, 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 so we create this dependency. As long as you keep coming, that's all you got to do to be a Christian is just come on Sunday mornings. Throw a few bucks in the offering. No, 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 like we, we've created these things. Like, no, 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 like the good shepherd, here's the thing about the good shepherd, the waters are always stirring. The waters are always stirring with Jesus. You could get into the word anytime. You could worship anytime. It's always ready. He's always available. And it is a house of mercy. It is a house of mercy. He leads us to some new pastures, some new things. He'll show you how to have a meal in the very presence of your enemies. But you've got to put a stake in the ground because the question's still the same. Do you want to be 
made whole? Do you want to get well? Do you want things to change? Or have you become comfortable? Are you ready to turn back to Jerusalem? See, there's these disciples on the road, and, and, they, and, and they've walked together, and they've had this conversation with Jesus, and they're sitting at this table, and, he, and Jesus breaks bread, and he breaks wine, and, and their eyes are open. But the scripture says this, they invited him in because it was already late in the evening. They have this moment, they see Jesus, Jesus is gone, and in that moment, they turned back to Jerusalem. Ah, some of us, I think, we think it's too late in the evening. Some of us, uh, uh, I'm 60 years old, I'm 65 years old, I've been waiting my entire life to do this, I'm just too old for that. It's never too late to turn back to Jerusalem. It's never too late for, for a brand new story. It's never too late for you mean, your best days ahead of you. Some of you guys, you're waiting, you were dreaming, you're, you got down here and you're retired and you're bored to death. You don't want to admit it, but you are. And Jesus is saying, like, no, no, do you want to be made well? Because there's still some more work for you to do. I still got something for you. I know you thought life was going to be this one way, and I thought all your days are going to be filled with golf and the beach, and I've got something for you. You're going to have that too. Like, that'll be good too, but it'll, make, it'll mean so much more when you start doing this other thing too. When you start letting, letting me in, do you want to be made well? Or are you okay with just hanging out with your five porches and your nice pool and watching? And listen to what Jesus says to this man. Three things. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Stand up. I mean, you got, you got to imagine the scene. My man's right there with his yoga mat. <laughs> 38 years laying there on paralyzed looking up to Jesus, but I can't. I can't. He spent his entire life looking at people's ankles. He could tell you who's got cool shoes. He could tell you whose feet stink. He knows a lot of things in the low place. But God said, no, no. I want you to look up. I want you to believe for something more. I need you to stand up. I need you to stand up. I need it. It's time for us, church, to take a stand. It's time for church to, to stop being in a low place. And, oh, I'm just wondering if I hurt somebody's feelings. I'm just wondering if, I, if this is correct or if that is correct. No, you need to stand up and either, you either believe what you believe or not. There's no wondering, like, I don't know. I think they're a Christian. No, no, no. People need to know. This is what I believe, and this is what I stand for, and this is who he is, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's time to take a stand in a world where everything is so fuzzy and black and white. No, come on, church. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be a jerk about it. They will know them how by their love. This is how I take a stand, by loving you when you punch me in the face, by loving you when we disagree. By loving you in all of these things. No, no, I'm going to love you through it. Because that's what Jesus did. Take a stand. I think some of us, we've been in this low place for too long. Let me make this even more clear. Turn the TV off. Get off of Facebook. Like, not right now on the live stream. Stay. We love you. But when we're done, turn off Facebook after. 
Come on, you got get out. Guys, we live in one of the most beautiful places in America. Some of us, we live here, and we haven't been to the beach in years. Stand up. Just go take a walk. Breathe some fresh air. Stand up. Pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. What's your mat? See, I, I think we live in this world where we want someone else to carry our mat. So look, well, what is it that you have a heart for? You have a heart for orphans. You have a heart for the homeless. You have a heart for kids' ministry. You have a, a heart to, to, to play an instrument and lead worship. You have a heart for this thing. But no, no, the only way it's going to get done is if you pick up your mat. This is what God has called you to do. Just stop waiting for the pastor to do it. Stop waiting for the, No, no, pick up your mat. No, God has called me to do this thing, and we're going to do it. I'm not, I'm not waiting around. I'm not, this is it. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not blaming anybody else. This is my mat. This is what God is saying in my life. Right now, my kids are in that back room. I think Mr. Kirk might be their teacher. One of the best teachers on the East Coast, y'all. Mr. Kirk is amazing. All the time, I'm asking my kids, which, one, which one's your favorite teacher? Mr. Kirk. Mr. Kirk. So the rest of you teachers, just you know, bring up your A game. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> y'all are good, but Mr. Kirk's the man. But here's the thing, Mr. Kirk gets like 45 minutes once or twice a month with my kids. It's not his job to raise my kids in the Lord. It's my job. My kids are my mat. And I'm not gonna blame him if they don't know the word the way they should know the word. That's my job. This is my mat. We'd love to blame someone else. We'd love to blame the pastor. We'd love to blame, we love to blame America. We love, come on, we'd love to blame the government. Like, it's so funny how it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. Like, Republicans blame Democrats, Democrats blame Republicans. But we can all blame the government, and yet we act like that's the answer for anything. Like, like think about it. If they did, like, fully do, then they would turn your life into the DMV. That would be the outworking of your life. Like, no, stop, stop blaming. Like, no, what is your mat? What, is, what has God called you to pick up? And at some point, I'm telling you, you've got to own it. You've got to own it. You've got to stop with the all But this is my mat, and I own it. Now, listen, I, I've been wanting to write a book for years. And I tell you what, I have come up with more excuses <laughs> I have so many excuses of why this book isn't written. Oh, well, I'm doing this and I'm busy. No, no, no. no. At some point, you've just got to own it. At some point, no, no. All right, God, we're just going to do this. I'm telling you, church, at some point, you've, just, you've got to own it. You've got to, like, at some point, like, this is my church. These are my people. My people are goofy. Some of them get on my nerves. Some of them are a little weird, but they're my people. At some point, come on, have, you, have y'all met Matt Henry? At some point, you've got to pick up your mat. <laughs> pick up your mat. You've got to pick up your mat and say, you know what, we're going to be friends even if you don't want to be friends. We're going to build some relationships even if that dude's a little awkward, we're going to figure it out. This is my, I'm going to own it. I'm going to own it. What's your mat? pick up your mat, and then walk. I love that Jesus says walk. Like, he doesn't say sprint. 
He doesn't say take off running down the road. He said, no, no, pick up your mat and walk. Here's a little thing I've learned about Jesus. There's no microwaves in heaven. There ain't no microwaves. Like, <laughs> I think we serve the God of the crock pot. <laughs> and now I could be wrong, but it sure does feel that way sometimes, somebody, right? Then all of a sudden the day happens and the crock pot turns into the microwave and all whoa, whoa, you arrive at this place. And start walking. Just, just start walking. We want everything quick. We, we want to be good and natural at everything. We, like, we've watched these videos, and there's the child prodigy that he's, he's seven years old, and he could play drums with the best of them. That ain't you. It ain't me. For the 99.9% .9 of humanity that ain't, that ain't us, we got to walk first. We got to walk first. You know what? Michael Jordan wasn't Michael Jordan you know, he was in the gym every single day, practicing and playing and shooting free throws and walking. Like, we, want, we all want to dunk, but you need to learn how to shoot a free throw. Get up. Just, just, just walk. Walk. I, we had the, this one young man, me and uh, Randy, playing guitar, and, and he, was, he was wanting to learn a little bit of bass, and me and Randy are there with him. And he said, uh, I told him, I said, listen, do you want to learn how to play, blaze, ba play bass? This is what you got to do. You gotta sit on the edge of your bed and play it until your fingers bleed. And he laughed, and I said, I'm not joking. And Randy looked at him and said, yeah, he's not joking either. Oh, I wanna be able to play like Randy. You gotta sit on the edge of the bed and play until your fingers bleed. And then you gotta wake up the next day, put some duct tape on those things and do it again. And do it again, and do it again, and do it again. No more excuses. Pick up your mat. Walk. Come on. Get, get, get to it. I remember one time I was, uh, I mean, I've told this story a few times because it's just a, such a special moment in my life where I was whining to God. Anybody? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just me and you guys and the Psalms. And um, I'm whining to God. and just blah, 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 blah. And I remember Jesus is like, are you done yet? And anytime God asks you a question, it's not that he doesn't, uh, uh, yes. And I remember specifically God saying this to me, is this all it takes? Is this all it takes to get you down? Is this all it takes for you to want to throw in the towel? And then he quoted to me from Jeremiah, and, and, and the quote was this, how are you going to get worn out amongst, uh, uh, with mere men when I've called you to run with the horses? And you know, when God says something to you like that, you're just like, okay, I'm done. I guess, I guess my excuses are done. Just, just walk with me. Just walk with me. I, I know you want to save the world. How about your neighbor? How about just one? I, 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 know, you, I know you want to lose 100 pounds. How about just start with one? I, I, know, I know you want to do all of these great things. How about you start with one? Just start walking. How about you just pick up your mat and walk. And I love the questions that Jesus, when he asked this guy, what do you want? He asked a blind man, what do you want? He asked other people on the road, what are you seeking? What are you talking about? And the question is like, church, what do you want? What do you want? What if Jesus was to ask you that this morning? What do you want? What do you really want? And I think some of us are afraid of this question because we're afraid of the desires of our hearts and Maybe, I don't know, maybe 
it's, maybe it's wicked, or maybe, I don't know, if, if we were to get really honest with God, this, this is what I want, and, or, or like this man, we would, like, it's impossible. We're afraid of what we might find. For some of us, what we might find is we don't really even have a dream at all. We're actually, it's just a cheap imitation of someone else's dream. Well, I want this because I guess that's what commercials have told me I'm supposed to want. Well, I'm supposed to want this because this is what everyone says. If you have these things, then you'll be happy. And so I guess I want, listen, I don't want a white picket fence. I know that everyone says you're supposed to, I, no, that's way too much maintenance. But we have this idea that if, if we have these things or accomplish these things, then we'll, no, 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 no. Have you, have you gotten honest with God? If God, what do you want? What do you really want? Because if you don't know your mat, you'll settle for a cheap imitation. You'll settle for living somebody else's dream. What is our mat? I was just thinking, I just wrote down a few ideas this week. I said, God, part of our mat is, I want us to be a house of prayer. I want like those disciples, I wish that you would, I just need you to teach us how to pray, God. That we would be a church that prays because if we want this revival to happen, we've got to learn how to pray. I, I, want, I want, did our hearts not burn within us? And if our hearts are going to burn with us, and if we're going to make a change in Brunswick County, I'm telling you, church, we've got to learn how to pray. We've got to, and when I say pray, I just simply mean commune with God and talk with God and, and be friends with God and love God and have this communication where I talk to him and he talks to me and, and it's just this natural and we pray without ceasing and all of these things and that's my hope and that's my dream for this church. I have this hope and this dream that there would be unity in the body of Christ, that we would be one. This is Jesus' prayer that we get to answer. That, there were, that churches would come together, and it doesn't matter if you're Baptist or Methodist or all these, you know, we'd come together and be one. And the main thing would stay the main thing. It's loving God. Churches work together, and salvation's happening all throughout Brunswick County. Part of my mind that we would give everything we have to the next generation. And then I, I want you to go so much further than we did. I, 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 I want, I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm telling you guys, if you're in this room and you're, if, if you're 60 plus and you're wondering what your calling is, I'll tell you what your calling is, to give it away. Every single bit of it. Give it all away. Do, do not die full. Die empty. Everything. I want every single thing that's inside of me, I just want to give it away. L listen, I, I've said this before. Everyone's all leaving an inheritance for your kids. Listen, it's far more important what you leave in them than what you leave to them. Your kids don't want your money. Your kids don't care about your money. No, no, they're, they're looking to you. They're looking to mom. They're looking to dad. This is, this is an example, and I'm going to leave everything I have to my kids and just then some and say, Jesus, you take the wheel. All of it, it's yours. All of it. The next generation, the priesthood of all believers, a church in which every one of us are operating in the gift of which God's called you. I want to see this. I want to see this church, this community in which the waters begin to stir, the winds begin to blow, and people know that, listen, if you come to Coastal, there's mercy in this house. Now, you could come as you are, but don't leave as you came. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. Let him change you. You can't fix you. 
I can't fix you. I have no desire to fix you. <laughs> Zero. I can't fix myself, y'all. Can't do it. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. What do you want? What do you want? But God, if you don't want it, I don't want it either. All of these things are wonderful and great, but God, if you don't want it right now or if it's not for me, it's okay. See, David had this thing in his heart where, God, I, I want to build you this temple. And God said, that's a great thing, but it ain't for you. It's for your kids. It's for your son. And so what did David do? David stacked the deck. He got it ready. He got it ready for the next generation. All of his hopes, all of his dreams. See, David built the altar. Solomon put it together, and God sent the fire. It's a team sport. We build the altar. God sends the fire. God, whatever you want to do, and if what we want isn't what you want, God, <laughs> we don't go a step further. Whatever you want. We had this uh, uh, meeting with, uh, not meeting, talk, with Devin's parents. This was years ago. And I think they were getting ready to do their wills. And they were saying, you know, uh, what, what do you, two brothers, Devin and her, her brother, and, you know, what do you want and what do you want? And me and Devin were just like, you know, we don't care what you do. Do it, do whatever you want with the house, cars, all of these things. We, we really don't, don't care, except for this, there's this one little, it's a little antique flying pig that they keep. And it's maybe worth like 20 bucks. But we're just like, this thing's awesome. And we love it. And we're going to have it. And, uh, and, but it's become this whole like running thing with the family of who's going to get the pig. And like, we don't care about all the other stuff, but who's going to get the pig. And, but we had this talk and I remember telling her parents and saying, here's the thing, you've already given us the inheritance. Whenever you gave her hand over to me, so you were carrying that mat for 21 years, but now you let me carry that mat. And see, all, all the inheritance was already in it, and now it's up to me to care for this special gift that you've given me. And, 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 and I'm going to I'm going to run with this mat the best I can. I'm going to love her the best I can because the truth is you've already given me the most special gift that you ever could. And there's times where I'm not the husband I should be, the father I should be. And every time God just says, but it's your mat. And it's never too late to turn back to Jerusalem. It's never too late to ascend the hill of the, world, of the Lord. Come, let us go back. Come, let us go to Jerusalem. Come, let us watch as heaven invades earth and the sick are cured. Come, let us be a people that stand up, pick up our mat, and walk. Let us be a people who our identity is fully in Christ and Christ alone of who he says we are. I am no longer known as this sick man who's been laying here for 38 years. It's a brand new day. Now I am the man who the man healed me. You don't even, still don't even know his name. Don't need to know my name. All I know is this is what happened, and this is the guy you want to talk to because he healed me. Later on, Jesus reveals himself to him. Now my name is Jesus, and it's that simple, guys. He is the answer. Let us stand to our feet. Ask the worship team to come back up.
In just a second, I didn't give him enough time. Just in just a second, though, Alan's going to do a, a special song for us. This is going to be a prayer that we're praying. This is Family Fun Day, but we're praying it over your entire family. Let me take a few minutes. Let's just pray together. Lord, I do want to pray for families. Lord, maybe there's some families in the room that have some prodigal sons and daughters, some families in the room that have years of stress and it feels like the blessing is <laughs> far from their doorsteps. It feels like reconciliation is impossible. Lord, there's some years that the enemy has stolen and God, I just pray that you give them all back. I pray for restoration in the family this morning. May the family learn how to have fun again. Tables filled with laughter. Turn their house into a city of joy, a city of peace, a little Jerusalem right here in Brunswick County. for men, for women, for mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and for those of us that have been full of excuses on why we can't pick up our mat. Lord, the excuses end today. We turn our attention to you and we repent. We turn back to you, God. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. If you're in the room this morning and you don't know him, May today be the day of your salvation. Amen. May today be the day that, ah, in 38 years, and it feels impossible. It feels like nothing's changed, and everything changes with Jesus. It's not an invitation to religion. It's an invitation to relationship. And he's calling you home. Son, daughter, I love you. I love you. If that's you and with every head bowed, with every eyes closed, if that's you and you're in the house and you just, you need to get right with God and you need to give your life to him, put your hand real high in the air where I could just lead a prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Church, please repeat after me. Lord Jesus. God, I repent. My life is yours. I'm yours. You're mine. I believe. Help my unbelief. I surrender all. Fill me up, Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Church, we had two people in the house. Come on. Come on. Come on. For Jesus. For Jesus. Come on, Jesus. You're so worthy. You're so holy. You're so worthy. Church, let's take a few minutes. Let's worship together. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.